saying no is as empowering as pushing forward. Being kind to yourself and being nice to yourself is really empowering. I believe in you. Proudly supported by RAH McDonald's. Hello and welcome to Season 4 of I Believe in You, the podcast about setting your goals and achieving your dreams. I'm Lizelle Hartley, a business and personal mentor, and over the course of this season, we will be talking with seven more individuals who have turned their passion into a career. This episode, we will be talking about something not everyone likes change. Creating change in a business can be difficult, whether that is a change in the process or updating a company's image. If it is done in the wrong way, there can be pushback from the staff and customers. Thankfully, our guest this time knows all about how to create positive change in your business, whether it's big or small. Bev Andrews is the Director of Aspire Change Management and join us on this episode. Welcome Bev. Thank you. What is change management? (laughs) It sort of means a lot of different things to different people um, and it really depends who you're talking to in what context. But basically from an organisation and individual's perspective, it's very much around managing how we approach change. So whether it's through something that you're personally going through, whether it's something that you're trying to uh, lead and direct as a, um, as a manager or a leader, or as an organisation, if you're actually trying to um, make some changes. I would have say a few years ago, you just had to cope with it. <laughs> there was no one there that helped you, no one that supported you. If you have a change, you just have to deal with it, get on. And how did that about come about that you have been interested in this industry? Well, change itself has been around um, for about 70 years. So a lot of the early theories and models come out of the 50s. And then as our work environments um, have changed with obviously um, going through all of the manufacturing stuff and then into the IT, um, changes have actually, you know, they've been layered and they're they're quite different. So change management itself has been around for a long time. What's been not so clearly understood is how to actually go about doing these changes. And it's really only the explosion in the IT sector and the projects that has actually really sort of helped people go, we do need a bit of change management. We need a bit of help with this. We can make the changes from a technology perspective, but what about the people and what about the business? So, um, So it's been around for a while. But over time, I I got interested in not knowing what was change management, just seeing changes done well and changes really done poorly. All right. So you were out there, noticed these well done changes and there's not as well done changes. And that intrigued you. And that's why you step into that field. Yeah, sort of sort of like that. It was I had a really great two mentors and one of them 
he was just a natural leader and you know and, and we're talking a little bit a, a while ago and he just had a lot of that authenticity and that compassion um, and empathy that we expect in our workplaces these days but a couple of decades ago you didn't really expect it and we went through a significant decentralization and lots of uh, job losses and just the way he went about it, it it was just done really well and then you go into other changes that shouldn't be anywhere near as um, as traumatic and they're done poorly so it was sort of over experiences like that that you know I started to sort of notice that well hang on why is that different to that and what are the things missing because back then you weren't called a change manager it didn't exist as a role yes. but what was missing yeah, and it, and it came down to good leadership, actually. That was what was missing. So Aspire is your business name. Yes. Where does the name come from? What does it mean? How old is it? Originally, I was in um, a partnership with a colleague and we set up Muse, which was Me, You, Us. And the um, philosophy was very much around that change is about me, it's about you, it's about us as an organisation. So that was the philosophy under Amuse. But with COVID and everything like that, um, we had to sort of change some of our operating models. So I went out on my own. And I follow a, um, a fairly straightforward process when I'm actually speaking with um, stakeholders and, and end users um, of, and I'm thinking about what do I need to do and what I need to do is actually um, start with things like the assessment, what are the strategies, what plans, how am I going to implement this, how do we actually reinforce it and how do we embed it and when I sort of started to think a little bit more deeply the letters of those key themes actually came up with the word aspire and voila <laughs> there was a spa change management <laughs> yes well done thank you and how old is aspire now so it's still very young yeah so in its name it's only a couple of years old now um i've been doing um consulting for over a decade now just as an independent and over that time sort of started to realize that no matter how mature organisations or leadership or, or the leadership was, there was still this gap in change management, still this gap with how projects dealt with the business and the individuals and the changes. Regular, common, consistent gaps. And that's where over the last six years probably, seven years, that's when I sort of started going, like, oh, hang on a second, and I don't like the way that some of the other big consulting companies operate I don't like the whole recruitment body shop process you know this change managing change dealing with change organizational change it's going to be with us it's not going away it's something we all need to understand and something that we need to embrace so when I go into an organization when I talk to someone I try to leave them something behind because they're going to need something you know and you can't just come in give them a product, walk away and not give them something to actually help them for the next time. That's absolutely for me fascinating. I think I've heard about this, but be able to communicate like this and understand the value in this. And I'm sure there's a lot of our listeners out there that feel the same is I didn't even know somebody can help me to work through changes as a big or even small company what is happening. And 
Did COVID bring a lot of changes? Yes, it froze us with changes. And listening to you, it even changed your business mm. from Muse to Aspire. But would you say COVID was good for you or would you say there was more challenges? Because sometimes challenges can be great because yes. a new business is born out of it. For me, it was great. For my business partner, it wasn't. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, and that purely came down to the focus of, of how we had been building the business pipeline and our area of expertise. Um, and you're right, when COVID hit, everybody had to go into survival mode, basically, and organisations, it was a crisis. And so we had to make changes really quickly. People had to adapt really quickly. Um and, that, and I wouldn't say I thrived on that, but I was just fortunate enough. I'd started a new assignment um, with a local organisation and it was quite a stable assignment. So from a personal perspective, COVID didn't, didn't actually give me any work concerns. And if anything, it gave me the stability to be able to then sit back and go like, well, okay, wow, now I've got some time to think. So in that regard... It, it really sort of helped me harness my what I wanted to focus on because that's been and, and it still is and it is something that I'm learning as a, as an owner of a business about where do you put your energy and how much time do you put your energy into into stuff there's lots of areas every time I speak to somebody I, you know my my little uh, brain cells are twigging because I'm like oh I think I could help you with this and I think I could help you with that and you know, so it's it's trying to not be the jack of all trades, but also not trying to specialise just in one small field. And it's just a real bit of a balance. But I found it a really rewarding time because it enabled me that time to be able to think. I call it brain space. <laughs> it gives you brain space. Yes. And if you don't have brain space, you can literally run your business into trouble. So COVID, you gave us all a little bit of brain space. But on top of that, you did give challenges. So listening to you and what I understand, you were working in person mm. in the companies. Was the um, secure spots that had to cancel that time was... Was the project that had to stop because there was you couldn't... A lot. a lot. Yeah, there was a lot. So um, in the organisation that I was um, supporting, they and, and a lot of our organisations were like that. If, if you recall, it was uh, March for us when we went into lockdown. And for a lot of businesses, June is the end of the financial year. So there were a lot of things that were very, very much in flight, trying to get done before the end of the financial year because of budgeting and resources yes. and things. And really having to sort of put everything on hold while organisations pivoted and got everybody out of the building, at home, set up to work and try to actually help manage them with, well, what do they do about the children with school? What do they do about the fact that we're in lockdown and we can't do this and we can't do that? And then as part of that, well, what what can we face into? What do we need to do to keep the business running and operational? And what are the things that we need to do to respond directly to the the customer, to support the customer during the period, not just the colleagues? And then what does the new financial year look like in July? What are the projects, therefore, that need to be restood up? Whilst it was, you know, a bit of like rounding cats, people are amazing when it comes to a crisis and emergency. You know, Australians, that's what we do. 
we're all about someone needs help you just go and volunteer it whether it be a bushfire whether it be whatever yeah people just come together and I think that is one of the silver linings that as you say with COVID you know we got some brain space but as a community certainly I think we felt it in WA as a community we all sort of came together and um, I certainly experienced that with my networks and um, the organisation that I was working with. That is something that I pick up as well. COVID was hitting hard, but everybody was step up and say, how can I help? What can yes. I do? How can I assist? Yeah. So are you back into the corporate world? Are you back into the offices now? <laughs> is the projects rolling now? Yeah, lots of things have been um, stood up. I think, I think from a WA perspective, because we weren't really hit bad with COVID like East Coast Australians. And so... It's been fairly normal most of the time, really, for the last two years. And we're in a bit of a boom cycle when it comes to the resourcing sector. Um, and, and with the lack of the workforce out there, there's a lot of this busyness. So, you know, it's been business as usual for me for, for the last couple of years, really. There's just more busyness going on. And I think one of the challenges we face is that people tripping over themselves to, to try and serve a new client and try and bring more business in when having the resources to deliver is going to be a bit of a challenge. Um, but yes, I'm I'm back in the office with a, a new client a couple of days a week. And I don't mind it. You know, it's it, a bit like you with the brain space. I came across a term the other day that I really like, and it's the social slipstream. And, um, and it was a gentleman talking about how when you're in the office, you have those small social interactions as you're sort of slipping past each other, you know, whether it be getting a coffee at the coffee shop, whether it's when you're at the water cooler, waiting for the lift, you know, they're small little social interactions and they might just be a simple connection of, I haven't seen you for a while, how are you going? To things like, oh, I'm glad I can see you for a moment because I was just thinking about a particular situation and maybe you could help and they're the things that we miss when we're actually not in the office so it, it's something I think we have to be very a, a little bit more conscious about getting that balance of yes you can do your work but what contributions are you missing when you're not in the office I have actually redirected my whole business online so I will sit sometimes eight hours just be behind my Zoom, deal with all my clients, talk to them, have my sessions, and that's my day of eight hours. And yesterday, a client had booked me in to go into the office as well, and it was quite an exciting, different <laughs> experience. First of all, suddenly I had to dress up because <laughs> normally I'm very casual in my gym gear, and so do my clients now. I always say to them, don't dress up for me. Use that time for something else that you want to do. And I'm going to do the same. I'm not going to dress up. We're just going to have a great conversation, break open what we need to, break open in your business, understand, get action plan ready. And yesterday I thought, oh, okay, need to get dressed now. And then 40-minute <laughs> drive there and 40-minute mm. back. And I thought, hmm, back to the change world. But I come back and I really enjoy that conversation of mm. they look into the door and say, what coffee can I get you? I thought, oh, 
nobody get me a coffee when I'm here at home behind the zoo <laughs> or let's get lunch or how are you? That little personal conversation because yeah. you don't do that on Zoom. Yeah. Straight into business, get it out there and get that. So yes, there's definitely something about that. And I'm all for life is balance. So I want to say to our listeners out there, and this is just what you bring up, if you can have that balance in your life, when you do notice that you're too much behind the screens and Mm. not enough connection, get yourself out there. Go and and visit somebody in the office. Go and volunteer for a day Mm. just so that you don't miss out on that. There's lots of different research and things around how you feed the brain and that by the stimulation is simple things by just looking at different, you know, views and, and things like that. And that's where it's really important to, you know, move away from your desk. And I think that's another thing that we're starting to hear and see. People sort of talk about, hey, I'm busy, but tired. There's this sort of fatigue creeping in. And, um, and I was only talking to a colleague this morning, actually, and I was saying one of the challenges that we face is when you were working in the office day in, day out, and it's an eight-hour day, you're usually only productive five or six hours because there's all this other stuff that, you know, th- that fills the day. When you're working at home and you don't have the distractions, it's very easy to put in a solid eight hours and longer. So your productivity goes up because you're actually putting in more concentrated time. And when you think of those eight hours a day, that's probably two days of work if you were actually in an office. So mentally, you're really starting to fill your brain up. And then we're doing it day in, day out, day in, day out, particularly, you know, if you are working from home full time. Um, And so little things like getting yourself out is really important. I start my day wherever I possibly can um, by taking my little dog up to the little lake and I grab a coffee and we walk around the lake. Um, It's not really a walk, it's a little bit of a saunter because he's old and, and we go really slowly. But it's actually all about just half an hour and connecting with something that has got nothing to do with work. Yeah. You know, and that's where I try to start my day. Um, It doesn't mean I don't think about work, but it's actually around getting the brain to be feeding on something different, you know. Yes, and that kind of answers my next question that I have for you. How do you empower yourself? Because I'm a strong believer you need to empower yourself to go out there to empower others. You need to fill yourself in and able to go and give out to the people in the workplace. Uh, so you have just answered one of those things, but what else do you do? I don't know where the mindset came from, but I have over time developed a strong, I am quite strongly disciplined. It could be through um, being an endurance athlete and, um, you know, doing 100 kilometre cycling races when I was in my 20s and 30s and triathlons. And in the last uh, decade or so, I, um, I took up, Uh, marathon running and you've got to be really really disciplined Um, but as part of that the mental mind of I can do this and I'm a participant I'm not going to win anything but I can finish something and you know I don't know if it's empowerment but I think it's just giving yourself that choice and chance to do something you know, and then saying, well, that's okay if I didn't even do it, you know. Many a time I'd rock up to the physio on a Monday morning, Tony, Tony, can you get me in? Can you get me in? I've hurt myself running. 
and um, and he'd say, so what did you do on the weekend? And I'd be like, oh, well, I got five five kilometres in and I got this pain. And he's like, okay, so what did you do then? Well, I kept running. Well, how, how far did you keep running? Well, I did another 10 kilometres. Why? Because I had 15 kilometres I was going to run. But why didn't you just stop and go home? Right? I didn't empower myself to stop and go home. I, I kept saying, no, you had, you know, that's that whole discipline thing. Whereas now I look at it and I go... Well, saying no is as empowering as pushing forward and that being kind to yourself and being nice to yourself is really empowering, you know, and having the confidence to say, well, I'm going to just go and do that on my own if I have to. And if I look like a goose out there on my own, well, it doesn't matter because this is something I want to do. Yeah. So it's just overcoming some of those things, I think. No, that's definitely um, empowerment and that's also the example you, you sit for the others around you mm. because the way I see empowerment is not always what you say, but it's the example you set so that the others, because you lead by example and that's encouragement mm. for others around you and they take that on to empower themselves to do that. And you are so right. We have to be kind to ourselves. Yes. We have to not fall in the trap of the rat race. Mm. And then just make sure that we're in a place that we looked after so that we can give more than's out there. And as you were saying, your walk is very slow because your dog is a little bit old. I think sometimes that's a giving as well because you have no choice. You have no choice than to take a slower walk, which will help you to actually notice things that you wouldn't have normally noticed because you were on this fast train. And I'm very forward to say you need time in your day when you stop. So what does stop look like? It's not necessarily stop and sit on a chair, but stop is part of taking a slow walk down to the cafe with the dog. That is stop of your everyday thing. And you were mentioning that earlier today. Move away from your desk. Go do something else. And bringing the athlete part in, it's all planning. Mm. It do not happen from <laughs> self. If you don't plan it or put it in the diary, that just doesn't happen. That's so true. <laughs> As a mentor, I'm a very strong believer in mentors. What's your view on mentors and do you have any mentors in your life? I think I've been fortunate over my career um, and it's it's become my philosophy as well. Um, people see more in you than you see in yourself, you know, and I've had... I've, I've been part of organisations where they have formal mentoring programs and then where you just admire someone and they become your mentor because they, they, they're just more than happy to, to, to help and listen and share their experience. So I'm a very big believer in mentoring. Um, I've, I've set a, a mentoring group up under Aspire, which um, is very much around, you know, it's, it's a group session. Whoever comes, comes. And what we talk about is what people want to talk about um, but I'm very big on you know just leaving something behind for people and where I can encouraging people and seeing the potential in others that they don't see themselves so uh, I think it's absolutely critical skill to learn how to be a mentee and a mentor uh, the satisfaction you get of giving is unbelievable and I'm sure I'm sure you relate to that yes um, absolutely and then I've had some you know some of the best mentors have been those that I didn't really expect to have so I mentioned earlier about the business leader 
who just led purely by example um, and just the little things that he did, they're still so relevant for today. The little things like of walking the long way through the office so that you say good morning to people. Mm. You know, on a Friday, putting the tools down an hour earlier and saying to people, come on, let's just stop. Let's just, as a group, just, you know, stop or, you know, come together and, and um, um, you know, it's not all about work. It's the relationships. Now, you know, this isn't someone who was a few years ago. This is two, at least two decades ago. So he was very authentic. Um, I, I also had another one who was the complete opposite, <laughs> who I've, I've recognised um, and acknowledged as well. He was such a pace-setting leader and it's not that anything was never good enough. It's just as soon as you felt like you'd actually cottoned on to what he was looking for and, and trying to deliver, it felt like the goalposts had moved again, <laughs> you know, because he was constantly stretching and demanding more and more. And, um, and he had this intimidating way of looking at you and you'd sort of think like, oh gosh, is English coming out of my mouth, you know, because <laughs> I really don't know. But the things that you learnt from that, um, you know, it's not my leadership style, but it certainly, it certainly taught me about you, if you don't take a leap of faith, if you don't put yourself out there and get out of that comfort zone, how do you stretch and grow? And mentors can do that to you because they can see that you're capable of it and they need to sometimes put that hand in the back and nudge you because you won't go yourself. Um, and they are your safety net, you know. So, um, yes, I've, I've had a few and, and they've not always been, you know, let's go and have coffee and cake every Friday. <laughs> no, and I 100% understand that because this is my job as well as a mentor. I stretch you and I challenge you, but the minute I notice you need time out, mm. I also stopped you. Yes. This week, two of my clients, I just say, stop. We have to recharge. Mm. We had to make sure you give enough self-love to yourself. And once we know that this is in place, we can continue mm. on your journey. And for a lot of the clients, uh, um, and you will understand that in your workplace, it's kind of a shock, but you did to move me forward. Yeah, but I can't move you forward if I can notice that you need to stop. So that's why you say we learn from each other. The mentors is out there. And sometimes these mentors, you just learn what you don't want in yes. life. <laughs> it's, not, it's like you were saying, it is okay, that's the way you do it. But being on this side, I know what it feels like. So you might say, you've got a good strategy, but I'm just going to put a pause moment in there so that we stretch, pause, enjoy that we reach that before we just move that goalpole on to the next and the next steps already. Saying that, I have a big respect. I have a big amount of respect for a woman that's in her older age and have a striving career. And you're not a young <laughs> la lady sitting in front of me. You are definitely... I'm not. <laughs> I don't want to guess age here because I can get in trouble, but you definitely... I call them my 50-plus ladies. Mm -hmm. And I love it when a 50-plus lady is in business striving. So, Bev, what do you see for yourself in five years from today? 
Well, I really want the business to to be recognised in Perth for quality change solutions. I, I really want um, uh, Perth leaders and organisations, when they hear the name Aspire or if someone's actually been mentored or trained from Aspire or if they've used any of those services that I intend to and products that I intend to market, um, that they go, it's Aspire, it's good, it's it's quality, it's uh, sustainable, and it's useful. It's re- you know, I, I just want to be recognised that yes, we've 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 achieved something. We haven't just manufactured the same old you know cheap plastic widget. Um, that's what I'd like to sort of say in five years. Uh, my husband would say that we're retired. <laughs> um, and, and whilst I'm in the plus 50s, I don't know, I think, I think having that passion and that um, the brain's moving constantly, you don't feel the age. Sometimes you look in the mirror and you do go like, oh my goodness me. <laughs> so yeah, I just, I don't know, five years is actually quite a short time really. It is a short yeah. time and before we know we're going to be there and I'm like you that in five years from now we're going to strive in the business. It's mm-hmm. going to be on top and as much as the husband thinks it's retiring time, this is time when we just going to fly even higher and wider yes. and yeah. have, as you say, build that legacy, have that name out there. I always say that Wherever I am, I want to be in a building with a lot of young generation Mm. and I want to be the oldest lady in the building and anyone that have life questions or business questions is just going to say, come auntie, I take you for a coffee today, come (laughs) share your wisdom and I will be my 90s, close to 100 and I know that my week will be all about go and share the wisdom of Mm. age to the younger generation Mm. because there's so much wisdom in that and we grow up in a different world than they. So there's a lot of wisdom that we have that Google can't give them because it wasn't there. So that's why this I see as especially women, 50 plus, play such an important role Mm. in the world in five to 10 years time from today. Look, I couldn't disagree. I, I just couldn't. We've come a long way when um, I certainly think at the beginning of my career and um, we were referred to as girls, you mm-hmm. know, like on, on, on the, the toilet doors, it was, you know, gentlemen and girls. And some of the behaviours, you still see it, but they're absolutely appalling. And we've come a long way in in what we accept. And, and the fact that we are more than capable to do more than one thing, um, we can have choices you know, and, and I think there's something about hitting 50, you're just free of it, you know, like you can be yourself, I don't know what it is, but people, I've heard, I've heard many ladies say it, you know, you sort of get to that point where you go, I'm not going to suffer fools, right, I'm, I'm not, but I'll listen, but if you're just going to be ignorant by not paying respect and listening back, 
well, I'm not going to suffer falls. I think the hardest thing for our younger women is because things were slower for us as we were going through our careers, there was time for investment and learning and consolidation of, of what we were doing. And I think the last 10 years, people feel that they are moving quickly between roles and I don't know that they really get to consolidate. They don't get the foundations in enough. And there's this constant churn and move. And for some colleagues, it's like you haven't proven something if you haven't achieved this goal by this date. And I, I think that's, that's a bit sad. And I think that's where our experiences come to play, where we can actually say, you need to get the foundations here. You know, like all these life skills and these professional skills, you bring them out and you practice them and you practice them and practice them. And that's, that's so enriching. What you just said there is so true. Because we are in this fast-paced world, we everybody wants everything now and immediately. There's no time to practice. There's no time to grow. And you've got this competition around you. So that is such a valuable point. And anyone out there, especially our women with businesses, it's not going to happen overnight. Grow with your business, take it step by step, learn with your business and don't set the bar too high because if the bar is too high, you're going to give up before you get there. You're going to have a great business, you're going to have a great concept, but because you're your own worst enemy in this, because of the fast pace that the world is running, it's not it's not the way it had to be. Give yourself enough time, set up, grow with your business and enjoy and celebrate the achievements that your business do. In our office, we do it 12. Every time we've got a big win or a new client, we literally do it 12. It started off as a little bit of a fun thing, but it's so valuable now because we actually realize it's not just doing business and move on to the next and the next step. It's literally stop doing a tour in the office and celebrate that little wins that was big wins when you started. And now it's just anyway part of the business. But that's just a reminder for us. Stop and celebrate it. And that's what you say there, Bev, is so important that don't rush in the fast world and think that's the norm. That's not the norm. That's out of norm. Learn from your 50 plus women and enjoy, appreciate and grow with your business. Anything in your business world that is exciting that's coming up in the next couple of years that we need to know about maybe? Oh, gosh. Um, this is when my marketing support uh, Sarah, this is when she goes, oh, I'm going to put my hands over my ears and go rhubarb, rhubarb, rhubarb. Because I, I, there are so many different things that I think that um, can be achieved and that I want to deliver. My biggest challenge is I trip over myself, you know, sort of like um, prioritising. So I, I do need to get better than that. I, I want to work on making sure that as we bring people through our profession, some will want to actually stay and be very, you know, expert, um, be experts, I mean, to different areas across the profession. And some will, will move through it as a way of building some capabilities as they go on into bigger and better things. So I certainly want to see over the next couple of years that we get some foundations in play so people can start to sort of 
map a bit more of when I'm doing some work, what am I learning? So I want to actually build that more for individuals. But also, how does that then work for the organisation? You know, in organisations, we have teams where people sell stuff. We have teams where people process stuff. We have teams where people answer the phones, do projects. But we actually don't have dedicated teams or small functions where we look at what is the organisation's strategy and how do we actually... um, um, roll those new changes out and make them sustainable and engage people and that's the function of change. So in the next couple of years I really want to see more organisations having more um, uh, change functions in whatever shape and form that looks like but having it as part of their core business not something that they parachute in because they are just doing a project. Um, and, and then the, the third one is very much around growing um, the, the Aspire name through young women and young and young men coming in and wanting to be Aspire, I don't know, Aspire colleague, I don't know what I'm going to call them, you know, champions, where they actually build their own career based on I've had good mentorship, I've had good development, I've had that good foundation and I can go and conquer the world. That's very exciting. Yeah, I think so, yeah. Well, I'm looking forward to keep an eye on you and Aspire to see where it goes and the team you're going to bring in with you, especially, as you mentioned, the younger generation. So it was really satisfying for me to talk to you today, to just understand this and get a broadest perspective and just again another woman that is so inspiring for our women out there so thank you so much for that and Bev if you can leave us today with your favorite phrase what will that be what interests your boss needs to fascinate you if you would like to know more about Bev and Aspire you can find their details in the episode description Thank you so much for listening and until next time, I believe in you. Thank you for listening to the I Believe in You podcast. This podcast is proudly sponsored by RAH McDonald's. It's more than Maccas, it's developing personal excellence for life. If you're interested in being coached by Lizelle, we have a number of solutions available for you, no matter where you are in the world. You can find all the details for these and how to get in touch in this episode's description. I Believe in You is produced by Bad Bard Productions.